Uh-huh. Okay, so you want me to come over, check out your place, and see if there's any ghosts or whatever hanging around? Okay, miss, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have to decline. This past week for me was really weird. I, I ended up out in this cabin in the woods with this guy in a weird wolf mask running around stalking me. So, yeah, I, I can't deal with ghosts or anything like that right now. Maybe later, and I've got a show to do. I have listeners I have to deal with, and they come first. I'm sorry, uh, there are other people in the phone book if you gotta get it done right now, so... I'm sorry. Bye. Well, hello there, streamers. Uh, yeah, it's been a weird couple weeks for me. Seem to be saying that a lot lately since I started this show. But like I just said to the woman on the phone, you guys are here, I got a show to do, so let's get to it. This is the Bloodstream. Streamers, this is episode 19 of the Bloodstream. I'm your host, Jason Gray, and this month we're getting back to normal. We're going back to Amazon, we're going back to a crap movie, and you know how I said I was gonna keep going with that simpler format? Yeah, I'm looking at my notes here, that's not happening this week. Uh, yeah, we're going for the full-on review, and, uh, the only good news I got for you on that front is it's a mercifully short movie, because I didn't feel like doing anything long this week. Clocking in at around an hour and five minutes, so it barely qualifies as a movie. And it's a little thing I found called Ghost Box. The movie centers around a writer, which... Why are all these movies and stories about writers? Can we blame Stephen King for this? Anyways, back to the plot. We meet Mark, who's this writer, doing some research on local ghost stories, because he's heard about them all his life, and he decided that would be a good subject for his novel. Along the way, he doesn't encounter a whole lot until he finds this box in a woman's home that's supposedly being haunted. It seems to be giving off some stuff that's making his equipment go off. So he takes the box home and starts doing some research on what's going on and eventually unravels the story behind the box and stuff like that. That's your basic setup. I got an actual trailer this week, so I'm gonna throw that in here and I'll be back in about a minute. My husband was a bad person. The soul of my husband is rotting in hell. Not only do I have documented paranormal evidence on camera, I think I actually have a murder story. If you ask me, I think you've bitten off more than you can chew. Why don't you just throw away that old box? I don't think I'm the one who's in danger now. You were right when you said that I was getting in over my head. But I know how to solve the problem now. Ah! 
So the movie starts off pretty blandly with Mark hanging out with some friends and it gives him an introduction, setting up the story. Mark's pretty much given up everything, his home, his job, all the focus on his writing and uh, to save money he's moved into the tiny garage apartment. And his girlfriend's not happy with this because he's focusing everything on the book, nothing on her. And Mark's kind of of the opinion that, you know, this is my dream, if you're not going to support me, you can, you, you know, they're at the door. On the one hand, I kind of respect that, and if you're in a relationship, you kind of got to support each other, but at the same time, Mark's being a bit of a dick. His friends are interested in what he's doing, kind of, and they ask him about the book, why he's doing the whole ghost thing. And that's a good enough lead-in to the first clip where Mark and friends are chatting, and they set up the book. So how'd you come up with that idea anyway? As soon as I got rid of all the distractions, it kind of just came to me. I think it was the second day at my new place. The paranormal history of Bridgewater? Either that or Bridgewater Paranormal. Why'd you go with ghosts anyway? I mean, there's so much crime in that city, I figured you'd find something more interesting to write about. Well, crime reflects poorly on the town, which means no one's going to cooperate with me. Plus, I always had an interest in paranormal. <laughs> Since when? I've always had an interest in it. I just never acted on it. But I'm locked in now, so... I mean, come on! How many stories have we heard over the years? That's just what we know of without really looking into it. I figure if I do a little more digging, I can really find some good stuff. After all the stuff I've seen, it's actually genuinely refreshing to see a movie about paranormal investigation that is not a found footage movie. I enjoy the paranormal investigation found footage movies because it is a great setup that works perfectly for that style of filmmaking. But to have just a normally shot movie that is not found footage in this genre is a breath of fresh air. Nothing else about this movie is a breath of fresh air. So enjoy that one tiny bit. Now there are a few moments of POV footage, you know, as Mark's doing the investigation thing, he's naturally filming what's going on and reviews the footage here and there. But it's not a found footage movie, it's just using the available tools to convey the story as part of the narrative. Mark starts going around interviewing some locals about their ghost encounters. One of the guys tells him the story, it's your typical kind of nightmare stuff, and he starts showing Mark around the house. The guy leaves Mark alone in the garage so he can set up and do his recording and whatever. And it's all pretty boring and standard as Mark finds absolutely nothing, not even a ping on the EMF meter. Girlfriend gives him a call to have a chat, they meet back at his rat hole garage apartment. She's feeling pretty abandoned in all this as he's focusing on the book, and he tries to encourage her to come along on the journey. Like an average rational person, she doesn't want to go hunting for ghosts, doesn't want to risk encountering something that might end badly, which I can't blame her. And you can kind of tell with these two that there's something there. They do genuinely care about each other. However, with Mark working on his book, things are really strained, and he's just, as I said, being a bit of a dick. They part on not exactly the best of terms, and Mark gets another call to go check out another probably not ghost. And this time he meets up Mrs. Esther, who is a lonely old woman who recently lost her house and her husband to a terrible fire. It really starts to seem like it's more the grief of losing everything that's messing her up, and, you know, her brain trying to process everything and not actual ghosts. But as Mark is doing his thing waving around the EMF meter, he actually gets a ping from a strange looking box sitting on a table. Could it be a ghost box, maybe? Mrs. Esther says, sure, take the box home with you. That'll give Mark some opportunity to 
check it out, do some research, try and get it open because it's not obviously locked, but it just refuses to open. <sighs> Folks, if you ever come across a mysterious box that is strangely and inexplicably unable to be opened, leave the box closed. Oh, and Mark also has this weird motion-activated squeaky toy that makes noise whenever someone enters the room. They try to use this for scares to try to give you a sense of something moving around in the room that you can't see, but they don't really go all the way with it as they should. Nice attempt, doesn't quite work. After Mark has a bit of a weird dream where there are old guys lurking in his apartment and the box is glowing, he heads out to another place to do some more paranormal investigation that ends up being a whole lot of nothing. Which is starting to be the theme of this movie. Mark goes someplace, does some research, gets nothing. A whole lot of nothing continues to happen while Mark visits his friends and he sets up a camera to watch the box do all that nothing. Fortunately, Miss Esther calls to say that if you're looking for something, something is actually happening at her place. So since something is much better than the nothing he's getting, Mark heads over to her place in the next clip. Mark, thank you so much for coming right over. Sure, it's no problem at all. Sit down. So, tell me what's going on. Well, the phone keeps ringing all the time. And the banging and the noises, they're just getting worse. Well, Mrs. Esther, I've already swept your apartment and I didn't find anything. Well, I'm definitely not imagining these things. Last night, I thought my door was gonna bang off its hinges. Are these disturbances only happening at night? Yes, very late at night. I don't remember them ever happening in the daytime. If it's okay with you, I'd like to spend the night and uh, I can set up all my equipment and monitor everything. Well, that's perfect, yeah. I feel funny asking this. Do you have a place you can stay tonight? This way I can have full run of the apartment. Oh, you, you know, there, there's a hotel right down the road. I was thinking of staying there anyway so I can get a decent night's sleep for a change. Okay, good. Um, I'm just gonna get the rest of my equipment and uh, I'll start setting everything up. Okay, that's great. All right, good. You wanna know what Mark finds? More nothing. You know what would have been scarier than nothing? What? Anything! Miss Esther shows up the next day to find out what Mark has discovered. Nothing. But we do get the revelation that the place where her house burned down, leaving only a garage, is where Mark lives right now. <laughs> So Mark makes plans to monitor the apartment again that night, but this time with Mrs. Esther inside to see if that affects whatever's going on. And we continue to stand around and not do much of anything waiting for anything to happen. This time though, he does get a little bit of something on the video. He starts doing some research into Mr. Esther, and once he actually gets all his ducks in a row, Mark heads back over to the apartment to have a talk with the missus in the next clip. Come in, come in and sit down. So... You came up with something already? I did, actually. What, 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 what is it? What'd you find? Uh, well, Mrs. Esther, I looked up the county records, and, uh... Your husband died one week before your house caught fire. And... Your house burned down on the night of his funeral, which you were out of town during. You had told me that he died in the fire. Well... I, I don't need to know the details, Mrs. Esther. But when someone dies unnaturally or under bad circumstances, it's believed that they sometimes linger in between life and death. Huh. But you don't understand. My husband 
was a bad person. This can happen to any person, good or bad. It's the soul of the person that's left behind, not the actual person. The soul of my husband is rotting in hell for all the trouble he caused when he was living. Mrs. Esther, I have to ask, did you have something to do with your husband's death? No. But my husband's death was good for everyone around him. I'm not here to judge, but if there's any further information that you can get to me, it's going to help me get to the bottom of all these happenings. Mark, I'm not really interested in my husband. I just want to make these damn noises in my apartment stop. Well, I have reason to believe it's actually your husband that's causing these disturbances. I don't care what you believe. Because until you can find a solution to my problem, you're not helping me out any, are you? Now, if you'll excuse me, I was doing something when you got here. Following all that, Mark heads back to his house. One of his friends comes over and Mark recaps the loads of nothing that has happened so far in this movie. The story of what he's uncovered about the box. And uh, so much repetition because we've already gone through this. But the friend does notice a little bit of something with uh, maybe a shadow underneath the door. And maybe someone's actually pranking Mrs. Esther after all. This sparks some ideas in Mark's head and he decides there's some place he'd rather be. He rushes back over to Esther's apartment. He sets his camera up outside to record outside the door to see if anyone comes by to knock on it and that's what's disturbing her. Before we can find out what's going on there though, Mark has a weird nightmare where he's burying his friend in a shallow grave with the box. So far in this movie, all the creepy stuff has been bad dreams. That's almost as annoying as the and it was all a dream scenario to me. And you know why? If the only scares and weirdness you can impart in a horror movie has to come from someone having a nightmare, you're doing it wrong. But this all ends up with Mark reviewing more of the footage, looking at the stuff he's recorded of the box sitting on his desk, and we see someone, I presume it's Mark, but the camera is set in such a way that it's basically just staring at the guy's ass, and I can't identify Mark's ass, that is not a skill I possess. If it is Mark, it would have been helpful to see his face. I don't know, somehow. Maybe I missed it. I'll take the blame for that. I'm only assuming it's Mark based on where the story goes from here, but I digress for the moment. Let me stay with the plot as it is right now. We watch as the presumably Mark person reaches into the box, pulls out what is apparently a straight razor. We then watch as the person wanders off, eventually wanders back, puts the razor back in the box and closes it up. And would you believe this, streamers? The big climax of this movie begins with an unidentifiable man wandering off to do something we don't see, which leads to Mark worriedly pacing around his apartment for a good couple of minutes. There's fortunately more coming, but when you're trying to sell this big impactful moment, it would help to A, see the guy, and two, not spend time just wandering around being frantic about it. We literally watch Mark pace around his apartment for two whole minutes. There's only 10 minutes left in this movie. Do something! Finally, after all this, Mark has gotten so fed up with this box, he now knows it can be opened, so he goes to get some tools to just brute force this fucker. And that's when he uncovers the dead bodies of his best friend and his girlfriend Jan. You know what would have made this movie more interesting? Seeing them get murdered. I know that's a bit morbid and maybe a bit cruel, but they just kinda disappeared from the plot. 
it's an hour long, it's horribly padded, you could have given me some death. And not, oh look, here's suddenly dead bodies that have been here all along. But yes, we finally get to see Mark open the box and the movie flashes back to POV shots of women being murdered. That, quite frankly, we've never seen before, so I don't care. We also see as news clippings of those murders and the straight razor are placed in the box and closed up. So yeah, it looks like Mrs. Esther was pretty accurate when she said her husband was not a nice guy. We then get to watch in more flashback as, yeah, Mrs. Esther did murder her husband. And with that, the movie gets a bit artsy for a few minutes. We're watching as Mark is wandering around his place taking things in, as this was a place where the murders went down. And as he's doing that, it fades in and out from him, being replaced with Mrs. Esther and her husband, and disposing of his body. This is gonna be one of the few good things I say about the movie, and that's actually kinda cool. It's a good way to connect the characters and time periods, as well as the locations all tying it together in this kind of almost montage as things fade from now to then and present to flashback. I don't have a lot of good to say about this movie, but that's kind of a neat trick. And following that praise, I'm just gonna wrap this up with one final clip. This is Esther, this is Mark. I'm calling to apologize. I know what happened, and you were right to do what you did. You were right when you said that I was getting in over my head. But I know how to solve the problem now. Goodbye, Mrs. Esther. Mark's final solution is that he randomly decides, you know what? I need to take my own life. The movie doesn't really sell that. There's no reason why anyone would think, well, we have to stop the ghost by killing ourselves. It doesn't really sell any sort of idea that maybe he's doing this out of grief for killing people while under possession of a ghost. The threads are there, but the movie just doesn't quite bring them together. Mark goes to slit his throat, the movie cut to black, and after a few moments of thinking, oh thank god it's finally over, they're going to roll the credits, the movie comes back with Mark suddenly waking up, and his eyes are all milky white, and well, I guess that big plan didn't work whatsoever. And that pretty much wraps up Go Ahead Box. Ah, this movie. I will say this for it. It has possibly the best cast of unknown actors in a low-budget ghost hunting movie. The acting is not bad at all. Mark's pretty good. His girlfriend's pretty good. Mrs. Esther is good. The three main characters you're focused on all give really solid performances. And that's even taking into account that a lot of what Mark does is wandering around doing nothing. And he's a likable guy. Except for when he's being a dick to Jan. You know what I mean. Their performances are easily the highlight of this movie, and kept me watching long after I kinda thought I should just shut this off. That and stopping a movie I plan on talking about kinda doesn't work that well. The story is threadbare. There are nuggets of good ideas there. I generally think the plot is workable. It needed more stuff in there happening, seeing some more deaths during the plot would have been good and actually helped to raise the tension. As it is, there's no tension in this movie because the only bad things are happening in dreams, or otherwise there's a lot of standing around doing nothing and nothing's getting done. If you take the basic idea, add stuff to have stuff happen, actually happen in the plot, this could be an enjoyable story. But this is yet another example of good ideas executed poorly. Even at just over an hour running time, I can't suggest going to watch this. It's a whole lot of nothing.
it's amazing to me that a movie that is only about an hour long has so much nothing happening in it. This movie should be packed with stuff happening because it's so short. This should be a regular movie where all the fluff has been cut out and you're just getting to the good bits. But no, it's like they cut out the good bits and left me with the fluff. And that was Ghostbox. And this has been episode 19 of The Bloodstream. I'd like to thank you for listening. And if you've enjoyed listening to the show, you can find us on iTunes and subscribe for more episodes. We're also on Facebook. Just search for The Bloodstream. We have a site at Tumblr at thebloodstream.tumblr.com. You can find us at our home base at triskadecaviles.com. If you've got any suggestions for the show that you want me to do, any movies you want me to watch and talk about, you can hit me up at any of those places or shoot me an email at phoenix, F-O-E-N-I-X, at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening and keep streaming.
It'll only hurt a lot. 